This morning's going to be a, just a bit different. I want to um, just kind of share some thoughts that I have been working on really since I've come here, and I'm going to steal somebody's um, thing. I'm sure I'm going to mess it up. I ask for your forgiveness ahead of time. Um, but I'm actually going to sit this morning because I want to do a little more of, of talking and a little less sermoning. We're still going to get into the scriptures, but I want, I want to talk about, in a sense, the vision for East Glenville this morning. And what's our, our mission, our strategy? How do we think about what we're doing? And I have been meeting with some people, getting different thoughts in the last year. Uh, we've talked about this at, at the elders group quite a few times. So this morning I just want to talk. And um, I'm going to start with by sharing about college. And in college I, I did some things that I'm, I'm rather embarrassed about, um, especially at the end of the semester we would, uh, you know, want to blow off some steam, so I'd get together some friends, and we'd, we'd go to someone's apartment, and um, usually get pizza, $5 larges at Marco's, you know, and then we would stay up all night playing Risk. <laughs> now, don't, don't judge me, you know, we all have our college experiences, but... Um, I think you all figured out, you, you, you called a, a nerd to be your pastor, right? You've, it's not surprising anyone at this stage. But risk, I really did. I spent a ton of time in college playing this game. And um, for those who don't know it, it is a strategy game where the goal is to get armies so that you can conquer the world. And you get armies, you place them, and you uh, come up with a strategy to to overthrow your opponents, and ultimately the winner is the one who has conquered every country in this little world. And, and so as it starts, you're randomly placing your armies on the different countries. They kind of randomize the beginning. So as that's happening, you have to then come up with the strategy you're going to use. Now, I had one friend who no matter where his armies were placed, he had a, his strategy was always start with Australia. And you just knew Andy was going to go for Australia, and I don't, know, I don't think he ever won with that strategy, but, you know, he kept trying. Um, but I, I would kind of watch, okay, it's, if it's this way. So you base your strategy not just on what you would like to do, but on the reality of the, the, the situation. And I think as we think about the strategy of the church and how we operate, one is we base it off, you know, the mission God has given us, but we too also got to know the world we live in and what's the situation. And so the strategy does change over times um, as the world goes on. So I want to start with the passage, our main passage. It's known as the parable of the lost sheep. And it forms a lot of my thinking and I think it should form the thinking of, of churches in the mission that we have. And the context of it is important for understanding it. It starts off that, that Jesus is spending time with what's called the tax collectors and sinners. Now, 
back in the Jewish um, homeland, if you were a tax collector, that meant you worked for one of the enemies of God's people. So you were on the wrong side of things. You were a bad guy. And then sinners, people who are not following God's laws and words. So Jesus, interestingly, spent time with, and in fact it says he even eats with and fellowships with people who are not good religious people. He engaged them. He went to them. He went to the the seasides and, and talked with them and interacted with them. And that threw off the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees and the scribes, those who were trained in religious things. And they're like, if this Jesus guy is claiming to be someone who's a follower of God or a servant of God or, a pro, you know, whatever they thought of him, how, how dare he, in a sense, interact with these people who are clearly not doing what God wants them to do? And that's what's going on. They grumble to Jesus. This man receives sinners and welcomes them and eats with them. So Jesus tells this parable in response to that. Actually, he told three parables in a row. And they each kind of have a very similar message. You could look that up, but the first one gives you enough of what to, to go on. And so the parable is simple. There's a man who had 100 sheep. One of the sheep wanders off. Just one out of 100. You can easily imagine riding that sheep off, right? Saying, I still have the 99. I don't necessarily need to go after that sheep. The surprise of the parable, and all of Jesus' parables have at least one surprise in them. That's the point. The surprise of the parable is that the shepherd is not content just to hold on to the 99. He goes after the lost sheep. He leaves the 99 behind, and he goes after the one who has wandered away. And when the, the one, he finds them, and he brings them back to be part of the flock again, he rejoices, and they celebrate. And, and all of that. And, and God, Jesus then just brings it home and says, that's the heart of God. That's what God your Father does. He is not content with those who already have, have built their lives around what is his laws and his ways. He wants, and he wants those who wandered away to come back. And so when we think about our mission of of the church, we can't just be saying, well, the church is here to serve those who show up. It it just can't be. Not if we're going to be followers of Jesus. If we follow Jesus, the church has to be mindful. We have to give thought to how are we reaching out to, going after, seeking people who've wandered away that they might at least have the opportunity to come back to faith to come to faith and know God. So the church is not just run for the benefit of the members, but has been given the mission of extending the good news of salvation to those in the community. So so I take that as a given. When I think of a strategy, you got to have that in there if we're going to claim to be a, a church that follows Jesus. And so when I originally conceived of this, I thought I'm going to have one overarching strategy that I'm going to share, and I worked really hard to try to cram everything in my brain into one strategy, and it wasn't working. And then I thought, wait a second. If you're a football coach, you, you have an offensive strategy, 
a defensive strategy. You have a strategy for each of your special teams, the punting team, the kicking team. I'm like, that's probably a better way to think about it than just to have one overarching thing. So, so I do. I kind of have an offensive, defensive, special. You, you think of it how you wish. But um, so I have four different aspects that I'm going to highlight. The first of them I call the lampstand strategy. I actually introduced this way back in the spring when we were going through Revelation. Well, I did a passage on Revelations. Revelation 1 describes church congregations as a lampstand that God places within a specific community. And the lampstand is is placed by God to bear light within that community. So it's the role of the church congregation who gathers together to, to show the people out there who maybe have never heard what Jesus is like, what the Lord is like. And so that means when we worship, we worship visibly, right? I, I can look now, I see cars traveling by our, our thing. And I love it when we have outdoor worship because we're even more visible to people. People know that... that those who follow Jesus worship there. Um, the worship is open. Anyone can come. Come visit and come check it out. And when people come, I think, I think we're generally friendly and welcoming. You know, we try to make ways for people who, who are visiting. And if you, if you are visiting, I hope you feel welcomed and, and included in what we're doing. Um, we try to invite visitors to, to, into the opportunities to learn more about what's going on. And now here's the thing, all churches do that, or at least they strive to do that, right? They strive to be open and visible, that, that's kind of standard. Now, I guess the exception would be the, the home church types. There are some kind of churches that just are just people gathering in a home, but that, that's, they're kind of a whole different thing than this. A church that's in the lampstand strategy is inviting people because of this. We believe that God might draw people here. If there are those who are are seeking God, God will lead them to a place where they can learn about Jesus' son and grow to know and love him. And and to be a lampstand is to be a place like that. Okay, so that's the general idea. But now I, I need to contrast, within that concept, some churches do what I call a an attractional strategy. Attractional. Their goal is to attract to Sunday morning worship people who are outsiders to them. They're trying to attract non-church people in. Sometimes these churches are called seeker-sensitive. In other words, they aim their programming at people who, um, who, who may don't yet have a relationship with God, don't know the, the truths of the Bible. Their evangelism is based on Sunday morning. And... So those who are already believers within the church, their goal is to try to get people to come. That's how an attractional style church. That, that's not quite what we are here. I'm, I'm trying to set up a contrast. For us, what I would say here at East Glenville is our Sunday morning is geared towards growing in our faith and love for God and others. So an attractional church, um, you aim everything. You aim the message and everything to the unchurched to, and trying to draw them. Uh, my, um, there was a church back in Columbus, Ohio, I, I know. 
They did not have congregational singing on Sunday mornings. They did it more as a lecture for people to come and learn about. They're trying to engage people, people intellectually. Other churches have very, um, they put a lot of effort into the music because they, they think that's, that's what will draw people. Um, my, my, we have family members who go to a church that would fit this mold. And it's a good church. I'm not speaking against it. I'm just saying that's the strategy they're going with. Um, their motto is no, no barriers for the unchurched. They, they try to arrange what they do on Sunday morning so that nothing feels weird to those who aren't familiar with church. So they look very untraditional, even in point to including that they really downplay communion, the Lord's Supper. And they, they do it, but they really just kind of, it's more like a devotional thing. You could do it if you want, but you don't have to. They, they downplay it within their service because they think that would make someone who's not a church member feel, feel left out. And so, they, so that's the idea of an attractional church. Oftentimes the messages are more topical. Um, you, you try to think, what, what do people want to hear? What will get them to come? Um, so that's not the strategy I'm, I'm going with here. That At East Glenville, we aim Sunday morning at spiritual formation. We are a group of people who are seeking to learn to follow Jesus together, to live for him, to love him. And so our worship is meant for our hearts to be drawn closer to God. We, we know we need worship because our hearts are fickle, right? Our hearts get attached to all these things. So we set aside this time and, and we, we set aside all the focus of everything else and we give our hearts in praise and worship to God. We believe that that starts to form us. Um, we sit together under the authority of God's word. We reserve a good amount of time in this, this thing to, to study what God says. And we uh, certainly will do topical series, but what I often just like to do is let's study a book of the Bible. Let's let God decide what topic we study. And, that's, and so that's part of that. And, and so ultimately, it's spiritual formation. Now, what about outsiders? We still want to be what I would call seeker accessible. We don't want to ignore people um, or, or create barriers for people who aren't yet followers of Christ or people who are seeking. The idea is if, if God is leading someone here, we want to make sure that this can be a place they can fit into. So what, how do we do that? Well, we do our best to create a welcoming environment. Um, greeters and welcome people in. Um, another way, avoid insider language. I think it's easy for, for churches and pastors to get used to using theological or religious words that only we know what they mean. Um, so we try to avoid words. And if I do use a, a church word, I call it, or a theological word, I try to explain it, not assuming that people already know what all that means. Um, not assuming people already know Bible stories or theological issues. Maybe if you've been in church for 20, 30 years, you've heard, heard all the different stuff brought up at one point. But if you're brand new and someone starts talking about sanctification or the eschatological uh, issues that come up, you're like, what's going on? What are they talking about? You confuse people. 
So I want to make sure we're accessible for people who are new or seeking God because we want this place to be a lampstand for the the light of the gospel. Um, Once upon a time, churches could have that as their main strategy because our culture was behind us as a church, right? The, the assumption out in the, the world was that, well, you should become a part of some church. You, you, you know, you've got to go to church somewhere. So people would look for churches automatically. You get married and you go to church and get your kid baptized and, and all that stuff. Um, you, a church could have, if you build it, they will come strategy. And in the 50s, 60s, 70s, right, we built, built bigger and bigger churches that this church prospered in those times because that's all you had to do. You, had to, you just welcome people, you have some good programs, you have some good teaching, and that was enough. I would suggest today we need to know the cultural world that we're living in, right? We got to look where the armies are being placed and, and think through our strategy. That's not working very well. I'm going to stop that. Um, think through our strategy. So I do, when I think about what are we doing, I do think in terms of lampstand strategy, but I pair it, pa- pair it with, not parrot as in a talking bird, but I pair it with um, the second one. And I, I will confess, I, these names of strategies, I've, I was making up on the fly. So, but the earthen vessel strategy I may have should have called the jars of clay strategy. It's the same idea. It's, it's based on the same verse. I think this strategy comes out of, directly out of 2 Corinthians 4. I think it's actually the strategy of God overarching. So this is a big picture. So in 2 Corinthians 4, it says the God of this age or the God of this world. Who, who, who do you think that's referring to? Yeah, Satan, God's enemy. The, the, the one that seems to have control at times of this world. The ruler of this world, Jesus once time called him. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, um, who is the image of God. Think how frustrating that might be for God, right? He did all the work. He sent Jesus. He did all the work so that we can have salvation, so that people could have eternal life, and yet God's enemy is trying to make it so people can't see it or understand it. You know, it's there. Um, People can't even see their need for it. And if you're out in the world, would you say that people oftentimes have all sorts of reasons why they don't really even need, they don't need God, they don't need spiritual things, they don't certainly don't need a church, that that often is the viewpoint. So so what's God going to do about that? What's the earthen vessel strategy? It's really very simple, three things. Um, it says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. A very simple message. Jesus Christ is the Lord. So that, that's the first part of the strategy. The second part is how do you approach people? You approach people um, as servants. So we proclaim not ourselves. We're not, we're not advertising us. We're proclaiming Jesus as Lord with ourselves as your servants for his sake. 
right? We come to people not as, as you do what we're telling you or even, ah, oh, we know everything. We come as servants, as people who've discovered this and we hope to share it. Um, and then third part of it is he says, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the light of the knowledge, the thing that people need to see and know and understand, the way God gets that to people who are blinded by the God of this age is he puts that light within his people. And then it goes on to say, who are his people? We are earthen vessels. We are jars of clay with this incredible treasure inside. If, if in the ancient world, if you had a great treasure, you did not hide it in a jar of clay, right? That was the common everyday stuff, easily broken. Um, you had special things. A jar of clay was for, for normal everyday use. We who are normal everyday people yet have the light of Christ within us. And so God sends us out. He puts, who, who did Jesus pick for his, his, his main apostles? He picked fishermen and a tax collector and, and regular people, not the special religious leaders. And, and he attached them to himself so that whatever's happening in our life, he can be at work within us. And it goes on to say, just, it says, we are afflicted every, every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. It's not how great our life goes that makes us effective. It's even, in fact, in the hard times, the hardships of life, it's how we respond as those who have Jesus with us. That is actually what says, and it says that is how the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. So do you get, get the strategy again? He, he, we have a simple message. Jesus is Lord. We have an approachable attitude. We come as servants. And he puts his light inside of everyday people who are living everyday lives at work and in school and where he sends us. Let me illustrate this a, a different way. Um, the, I call it the dots picture. So when we are gathered as, as the people of God, we are like those red dots, right? Jesus is in us, the treasure in jars of clay, and we gather together. Um, but when we're gathered together, we're only interacting with a small number of gray dots. And so it's important we come together because we need to be spiritually formed. We need Jesus to change our lives. We need these times of worship and teaching. But it's just as important as gathering in is, so is sending out. So he sends us out. We send each other out. Um, and through us, now Jesus goes all over the community. We take Christ with us. He goes with us into our job, into our um, school, into our neighborhoods, amidst our families. That's... I mean, this is not brain science, right? This is, this is God's picture of what it looks like, um, how, how, how the gospel goes forth in our world. And so it's you interacting with. Let me put, I kind of have the words up there. It says, the most effective outreach we can do 
is done by individual East Glenville members as they live and work in this community. The calling of the church is not just to gather in as many as possible, but to send out people with a heart for Jesus and a heart to share him with people. That, that's the, those two strategies, the, the lampstand and the jars of clay together form the basis of, of how I picture this happening. This is the offense and the defense of strategy. I, I, going along with this is, is we want to foster a mission mindset with our people, with us, so that they see themselves as agents of Christ in their neighborhoods and workplaces and wherever Christ has placed them. Um, an important part of the witness for the Lord is to live out a distinctive salt-of-the-earth faith in Christ and the community. So two keys to the strategy. One is spiritual formation. Learning together how to love God and love others as we follow Jesus together. For this strategy to work, your dot has to be turned red, right? You have to have encountered Jesus and are growing to know and love him more. Um, Paul one time wrote, he's talking to the Galatians, he says, my dear children, I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Right, spiritual formation. Another place that says, don't be, don't be conformed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through, through God's word and as you, as you walk with him. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. And so we're talking about this, this series on how to handle conflict. That, that's part of this, right? We have to be transformed in how we handle the, the conflicts that take place in, in all parts of our life. We have to show a different way of handling that than the people of the world are used to seeing. So spiritual transformation is part of it. The other part then is a mission mindset. I, we need to be tuned in to how God is at work around us. Wherever you're at and whatever groups you're in, um, looking for God, signs that God is alive in people or speaking to people, who, who but knows what thoughts are going on in, in the minds of your coworkers about the things of God? And God, has you, God could have you placed right where you're at for a reason. We have to have a mission mindset that we know that God has us there. So that's, that's my core strategy. Um, that's how I think about things. I have two, two more, and these are still important. And, and vital, and they're a part of it, but I, and I, but I think they flow from the first two I talked about, but I think they add to it. My third one is talk less, smile more strategy. And it has to do, what, what's the face of East Glenville toward people out there? You know, they, they see our sign at the road. Hopefully, they see more than that. Hopefully, they have reasons to, for those who would never come to this church, what, how would they see us? How would they encounter us? And again, I think they encounter us most often in people, you all, being out there in the community. But how else might they encounter us? And what I, I'm convinced is, is they won't care what, what we know if they're not convinced we're, we care about them. 
that it's better to be known in the community for, for things that we're doing, building up the community, doing good within in, in our area. If we want them to listen to what we have to say about Jesus, they need to see the church as a good thing in the community. So that's what this aspect about. Jesus, when he sent his disciples out from town to town, he gave them a lot of instructions. But one thing he said I think is just key. And he says, go town to town um, and, and bear the message to the lost sheep out there, right? And he says, freely you have received, freely give. What attitude do you have towards people? You're not looking to get something from them. You're going to them giving freely. Freely you have received, freely give. That goes against the tenets of the world out there. That is the attitude we should have towards, towards people. Another way to say it in the, the scriptures is we are blessed in order to be a blessing to others. So how does that play out? Um, a few ways. One, mission giving. We, we receive from tithes and offerings. We give back... Um, probably about 20% of what we receive from our our gifts and tithes and offerings, we give away to other um, missionaries out there or agencies who are doing work. We support a number of missionaries throughout the world um, who who are expanding the kingdom of God. We also support missions groups within our community, Um, city mission. We, we support them and what they're doing, knowing that they're reaching uh, people in poverty, especially in Schenectady, but also all around. We support Youth for Christ um, I, um, in Schenectady, reaching teenagers there. We also support Young Life at Burnt Hills. And um, so Arthur's at Youth for Christ, Aaron's at, at, at Young Life and that. Um, recently, I, this would be new for our church. I, I just went the other day to the International Friendships um, thing they had for Union College students. And I've, I've been connected with, I haven't met him yet, but a young man from Vietnam who's at, at Union College. I look forward to, to engaging him. I think there, there's these ways that, that we are connecting to people out in the community. One is just giving and supporting other missions. We also have our preschool. I, I don't know if, if you all realize that is awesome that we, we are hosting, supporting, and having this preschool. We offer a good, affordable preschool option for young parents who probably have the least money they have, right? When you, when you have kids at that age, you're still young, you're, you don't earn as much. We're offering a way for them, and we, we, we get to teach their, their kids the stories about Moses and creation and Noah. Like, how awesome is that? What a privilege that they bring us our kids. They trust people who don't belong to this church. We have some church members who use our preschool, but we have probably more that don't. We're going to try to have a thing for them, um, and we're working on developing a, a, a gathering, a Bible study, so that maybe some of those young moms will start to, to learn more. But that's an awesome thing that we have that. That's part of the face of East Glenville, where we talk less and smile more. Um, the building use. It may seem minor, but I think it's important. We, we open up our building, they vote here at some, sometimes. We, we do that, right? 
vote? Okay. Um, and yeah, I just remember all seeing all the machines. Um, I'm in a different district, so. Uh, we also allow other the Young Lives group, which is a group for teen moms, helping them grow in their faith. We, we let them use it. And I know um, another group, a 12-step group, uses our place at times to, to meet. Just, just blessing others. Not looking for what they can give to us, but looking for what we can give away. God has given us this building. It needs some work. You're going to see that work happening, by the way. You're going to start to see some big construction trucks parking over there. We might have to block off part of our parking as we get the septic system all, you know. And there's other things. We're, we're going to talk about some point this winter about some big ticket maintenance items that need to happen. And, yeah, that's, we got to talk about that. But God has given us a great building in an incredible location. I see cars. People drive by this church a lot. Like, if anything, they know, they know we're here. Um, not all churches have that. You know, some churches are out in these rural areas. They can't get anyone's attention. So God has given us this building, and we have a great Buchanan Hall. We just read it. So why not bless others in the ways we've been blessed? Um, freely you have received. Freely give. And I, I think we need to keep what, my challenge is we keep our eyes open for more ways to do that. So last fall, the men's group, men's study that was meeting, uh, or spring even, actually, they, they instead of meeting for Bible study one day, they helped with a grocery giveaway. Um, last summer, this church did a, a major grocery giveaway, giving away thousands of dollars worth of groceries every Saturday, and just as COVID was starting. Um, that's awesome. That's huge. Um, we actually have this, this thing. And we have a fund that we, we created, and right now it's sort of helping with the septic thing, but, but we still have it set aside ultimately for groups within the church. If they see a way to bless our community, there, there's funds that they, could, they just apply and they could use to, to, to do something significant. So, for example, we had one group that purchased dinner for the Glenville police who were on duty on Christmas Eve. I love that right? There's, there's poor guys who are serving, and, and gals probably, serving on Christmas Eve in an unthankful job, at least got a decent meal. Um, another group used it to buy gifts for residents at the Baptist Retirement Center who didn't have family. That's, that's what we can do. And if you're in one of our small groups, I, I, my challenge is in, in the next six months, come up with one thing your group is going to do to bless our community. Um, in that way. Smile less, smile less, talk less, smile more. Um, so that's one more aspect. Of that, that's like the, the punting team, maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm going to mess up my analogies. Last one, and, and this again, it's, it's, the, it's all about relationship strategy. And this is, this is somewhat the keep it simple, Mitch. I, I need to hear this every so often. Because you know what really is attractive to, to people? What will really draw people to join and become part of a church is joyful community. People are looking for that. In Acts chapter 2, it talks about the early church. And it says they, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
with, with, and it says, they broke bread in their homes and together with glad and sincere hearts. They had an inner joy. It says they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And this is the key line. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Joyful community is attractive. Our world is desperate for it. People are lonely, disconnected, depressed, especially now in the the COVID thing we've been all working on. People are isolated. I believe the most attractive thing we can offer is inviting them into a fellowship. They're, They're looking for relationships. They may not know they need Jesus right now, but they know they need something. They may, they may feel the need most for a friend or a conversation or someone to have dinner with. How many people eat alone all their meals? We can invite them in to the community that we've developed here. And in the church, we have a community unlike any other thing in the world. Almost all groups in our, our nation, at least, are age-segregated. In the church, we have babies to the really, really old people. Not that we have any really, really old people here. We're all young and spry. But theoretically, if someone... Um, but, right, we're, we, we're all part of the same thing. We all worship together. Yeah, we have the nursery figure. We, we, we spread them out. But I love the fact, for a while, we were completely separated. I love the fact that now the kids are part of the, the worship and singing time. We do that together. We're different working jobs. Like, I know we have our fair share of engineers, but we also have nurses and teachers and people who work with their hands and all kinds of stuff. It would be interesting to hear what different jobs are represented. We're not, we're not all one class of people. Our world segregates according to your class or your type. We are learning together how to follow Jesus of different ages and we're, we're doing that. We have these things that highlight our fellowship. Um, we had a picnic last week. We're now doing our Wednesday night dinners where, where you can come have a meal together and then have our lessons and class. We have a youth group that, that um, Nick has kids coming to, our, the kids from this church, and then I, I, I see kids I don't know, and I think that's awesome. Um, some other things, that I, we're, we're trying to do some uh, fellowship activities that are kind of adventure-oriented. So we were just talking in, in October. We want to do a um, disc golf day. That may not get some of you excited, but I'm, I'm in, right? So, but just things that are fun. Disc golf at SPAC. I think there's other opportunities, and th- this is where my encouragement would be, is, is are there things you get excited about that you can invite in, not just yourself and your family, people from this church, but also then inviting people outside this church. I think people are looking for joyful fellowship. One thing we want to do this winter, Christmas, is we want to do the Starry Night activity again. It's a great way to invite people to experience Christmas in a different way, to draw in people from the community, to to check out this church. So, this is very much dependent. This this one, more than any other, is not going to come top down. This is going to be what you guys want to make it. 
And so I want to want you to know and understand it, it is about relationships. And that's what people are looking for. So how can we build relationships? How can we together build relationships as a way of inviting people into the community that we have here at East Glendale? Three things to kind of close. I'm sorry I'm going long. You got me, you got me started. Um, three things. This is really what I, I'm asking you to do this morning. First of all, sign on to the mission. Don't just attend. Don't just come to this church to, to get your needs met, to get to grow in your faith. I want to invite you to say, yeah, I want to be a part of what's happening here. I want my life to matter for God's kingdom. And I want to join in to the, the work that's taking place. I want to find my niche. There's, there's all kinds of ways to do that, but I want to find a, a way to engage people and help, help people come to know Jesus. So sign on to the mission. The second one, support the ministry of East Glenville Church. We need to talk about money for a second. Um, we got to talk about the current budget situation. When I was a new Christian in the, the mid to late 80s and the 90s, there were a series of televangelist scandals. I don't know, those of you who were believers back then, they were all these guys on TV who talked a lot about money, who had really flashy everything, and then all, all of them seemed to have some kind of moral or scandal or embezzlement thing. And it was like, as a new Christian, it's like, that's the last thing I ever want to be is one of those guys. And now I find myself being on a camera, talking, you know, I could talk to the camera up there, and being live streamed, and I'm going to talk about money for a little bit. Now, if I start speaking in a southern accent, then then the transformation will be complete, right? Um, But seriously, we've we've not focused on money as a church. This, if you're new to East Glenville, we, we're not harping on it. In fact, we kind of did something because of COVID, and we haven't reversed. We, we stopped having a, uh, an offering time in, in the service, and we just have the boxes. We have two boxes out in the foyer for people to give their donations. And praise God, our needs have been met, mostly. Um, you know, through COVID, you very, the congregation, you're all very generous and continue to give and support the church, and it was amazing, and we praise God for that. Um, But our income has been down. Um, Last year, we cut the budget for this year, and we cut out some things. We we said there's some things we're waiting on, and it 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 was hard to do. It was painful to make those cuts. And now I'm basically letting you know we are still 5 to 10% under the budget we set for this year. Our income is down. And um, if what we do when we set next year's budget is we look at our giving this year and plan next year's budget based on what we received this year, and if the trend doesn't change, we will have to make some really hard cuts and hard decisions about our budget. And so I just have to be honest with you that that's coming. The the elders are going to send a letter soon kind of laying some of this out. Um, what I want to do t- today is invite you to support the ministry and to sign on. Would you give thought 
to what you are giving to East Glenville. And if you're new or not a regular giver, would you consider starting to give? Um, Not just putting a few dollars in when you attend, but making a regular support of the church. And I would... um, I would challenge you, if you've never began tithing in your life, a tithe is giving 10% of your income back to the Lord. And it's, it's a spiritual discipline that says to God, um, God, you're first in my life. I'm going to give you the first 10% of what I, I earn, give back to you. I challenge you to consider doing that and pray about doing that. If you're already giving, and I know many of you are already giving, I would ask you to consider, can you give, increase your giving by 5 to 10%? And if, if we all did that, we would actually meet up and would not need to change and reduce the budget for next year. So would you be able to consider uh, increasing your giving? You need to let us know you're doing that well in some way so that, because in a couple months we're going to start planning next year's budget. But if that's something you're intending to do for this year and in for next year, um, let us know. Because um, that's, that's the next thing we're, that's happening. So, sign on to the mission, support the ministry. The last and the most important thing is, is to see. I want you to have, a, to have spiritual vision for what God is up to. Look for how God is at work around you. I'm convinced the Holy Spirit is active in, in this church and active in people's lives when you go from this place. So when you wake up in the morning, wake up and start your day by saying, God, I want to be a part of whatever you're doing in the world. Give me eyes to see. So that's my vision. Those are my challenges. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you that that you call this church together, that you have a vision for this church and what it can be in our community, in, in Glenville and in Schenectady County and in the Saratoga County. Lord, you know the people that you want to impact through this fellowship. So, Lord, we just ask that you would help us see what you're doing and join in where we see your spirit at work. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.